0: wherever you get your podcasts. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that tallies the gains and losses of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lussier, and today we're looking at the untimely end of P.T. Barnum's earliest success, a -a one-of-a-kind museum that would raise more than a few eyebrows today. The day was July 13th, 1865. P.T. Barnum's American Museum in New York City was destroyed in a mysterious fire. Located in downtown Manhattan, at the intersection of Ann Street and Broadway, the five-story building was once heralded as the most visited place in America. Its collection of artifacts, oddities, live performers, and animals drew as many as 15,000 visitors a day. The museum opened its doors in 1841, and by the time it burned to the ground 24 years later, it had welcomed more guests than the entire U.S. population. The culprit behind the beloved museum's fiery destruction, and if there even was one, is still an open question. Phineas Taylor Barnum is best remembered today for his long-running partnership with circus showman James Anthony Bailey. But before these famous hucksters crossed paths, Barnum made his living as an innovative museum proprietor I use the term museum because that's what he called it, but most of the exhibits on offer weren't like any you'd find in a museum nowadays. In reality, the American Museum was a strange mashup of a zoo, a circus sideshow, a stage theater, and a cabinet of curiosities. Visitors found both entertainment and education within its winding halls, but the accuracy of the information they learned was a bit of a mixed bag. For example, the museum's collection of taxidermied animals offered anatomical insight on exotic creatures like lions, elephants, and zebras. But it also featured the infamous Fiji mermaid, which was really just the mummified head and torso of a monkey sewn onto the tail of a fish. Then there were the museum's human attractions, most of which would be deemed exploitative today. Among them were Josephine Bois de the bearded lady. There was also a pair of conjoined twins named Chang and Ang, and General Tom Thumb, a 25-inch dwarf who formed a lifelong friendship with Barnum. On the slightly more educational side, there was a collection of live animals. Monkeys, snakes, pigs, dogs, hippos, an alligator, and even a kangaroo. The museum also boasted the country's very first aquarium, which housed two imported white whales in a giant tank of water pumped in from the East River. There was also a priceless collection of objects from the Revolutionary War, as well as a series of wax figures representing historical and contemporary celebrities. One of the most notable figures on display was that of Confederate President Jefferson Davis, who was depicted wearing his wife's dress due to a rumor that he had once tried to evade capture by disguising himself as a woman. This ever-growing array of unusual exhibits made Barnum's American Museum one of New York's most popular destinations for leisure and culture. But alas, all good things must come to an end, and for Barnum's museum, it arrived on July 13, 1865. The fire began around noon, and was first discovered by an employee stationed in the museum's basement. The flames quickly spread to the upper levels, and firefighters soon responded to the sight of black smoke billowing out of the building. They diligently worked to evacuate the many visitors, performers, and animals from within the museum, and one fireman in particular, William McNamara, is credited with leading out dozens of patrons all on his own. This was a crucial task, as many guests had a hard time navigating the museum's corridors even when it wasn't full of smoke and flame. Amidst all that confusion, many wax figures were rescued as well, with several firefighters mistaking them for real people. It's a good thing they weren't, though, as the figures were hurled to safety from the windows of their exhibit, on the third floor. And yes, because I know you're wondering, Jefferson Davis was among the survivors, petticoat and all. However, the crowd of New Yorkers who'd gathered to watch the blaze were none too happy to see the former Confederate president in their midst. The New York Sun described his unwelcome appearance in their report the following day. It said, quote, When the Jefferson Davis petticoated figure was recognized by the crowd, it was seized, kicked, knocked, and finally hanged to an awning frame in front of St. Paul's church, amid the derisive and contumulous epithets of the persons engaged in this pastime. The roof of the museum collapsed less than 90 minutes after the fire was first reported. One of the building's walls gave way not long after. By 2 p.m., the flames had spread to several neighboring buildings, and soon after, the entire block was ablaze. Luckily, New York had learned well from the Great Fire of 1835. The new water system it had invested in a decade later allowed the fire at Barnum's to be contained before it could spread to the rest of the city. Amazingly, not a single person died in the fire that day, though sadly, many animals weren't as lucky. The two white whales were boiled alive in their tanks. Several other mammals tried to escape through the windows, only to be shot down by police officers, who feared the panicked animals might run amok. In this way, the fire proved something that held true for the next century and a half. Live animals deserve better than the care of P.T. Barnum. As for what caused the fire, no one knows for certain. At the time, the New York Times attributed the blaze to a defective furnace, a theory supported by the fact that the fire did start in the basement. However, many historians believe the fire was likely an act of arson, For all his many faults, P.T. Barnum was a vocal supporter of abolition. At the time of the fire, which happened to be just three months after the end of the Civil War, Barnum was also a sitting member of the Connecticut legislature. With all that in mind, it's possible the fire was started by Southern sympathizers who didn't approve of Barnum's opposition to slavery. It's a theory that seems all the more plausible when you consider that a member of the Confederate Secret Service had already tried to burn down the museum once before. A year earlier, in 1864, Robert Cobb Kennedy had entered the museum, thrown a homemade incendiary device, and strolled right out again. The resulting fire caused a good deal of panic and property damage, but no one was hurt and the building survived more or less intact. The same couldn't be said for the museum's second fire in 1865. Was that the work of a former confederate back to finish the job, or just a tragic accident? Barnum wasn't sure himself, but he decided to press his luck either way. The persistent showman opened a new museum less than two years after losing the first one. Unfortunately, he had chosen to heat the building with a largely untested innovation, boilers. This proved to be Barnum's undoing when one of his boilers exploded in 1868, burning the museum to the ground for a second time. These ill-fated attempts at stationary exhibitions eventually pushed Barnum to take his show on the road. Together with his partner Bailey, Barnum formed a traveling circus in 1881. But that's a story for another day. After Barnum's museum burned down for the first time, the New York Times lamented the loss, writing, quote, Almost in the twinkling of an eye, the dirty, ill-shaped structure, filled with specimens so full of suggestion and merit, passed from our gaze, and its like cannot soon be seen again. That ultimately proved true, and all things considered, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Still, If you're curious to learn more about some of the museum's exhibits, and even see them for yourself, the historians at City University New York have you covered. Through painstaking research, they've reassembled much of the museum online. You can pay it a visit yourself by going to lostmuseum.cuny.edu. I'm Gabe Lousier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCShow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design?